0: following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. And the Twins are baseball's world champion. Number 500 for Hiram Killebrew. Francisco Lariato has pitched a no-hitter. Gone! A walk-off
1: for Cheneau! And the Twins win it! Behind every memorable moment and career highlight on the diamond.
0: They hit the home. The throw to the plate by Thomas. Not in time! Twins head to New York. Catch catch them all!
1: are the true gems the inside stories and tales and you'll find those candid casual conversations here on the twins clubhouse podcast now here's chris
0: atterbury all right welcome back to the twins clubhouse kind of an odd week for our twins clubhouse program we appreciate everybody joining us all across the treasure island baseball network or if you're visiting us via the podcast format wherever get your Twins podcast. The Twins Clubhouse is brought to you by Sheboygan and the folks at Sheboygan. Well, they missed the ballpark too. And until we meet again, Sheboygan reminds you to fire up the Sheboygan Stadium quality bratwursts and sausages at home. They are always a home run. It was draft week for Major League Baseball and every team hoping to hit a home run. And Sean Johnson is the man who pulled the trigger for the Minnesota Twins on the four newest members, hopefully of the Twins organization. And Sean is kind enough to take out time from a very, very busy week to chat with us about the four selections. And Sean, first and foremost, just structurally, the draft was short. We know that. We'll we'll talk about kind of the impact of that a little bit. Uh, But the the bigger impact maybe is just on your schedule. You don't get to kick back, try to sign some guys, relax and reflect because on Sunday, just a couple days removed from your fifth round pick, the free agency period opens for all of the folks who weren't drafted, and this is something that is completely new in the draft era uh, since 1965. Uh, How do you envision this looking? Is it going to be kind of pre-'65, wild, wild west, sinister Dick Kinsella stuff, or is this going to be more very targeted from your standpoint?
1: Yeah, so I think, obviously, like you said, it's going to be a unique uh, couple of days for us going forward as we plan. Uh, to target a few guys so we we really are excited about the chance to bring on a few more players into the organization and um, you know we've put a lot of resources into an approach a recruiting approach we've got all hands hands on deck here uh, especially on the player development side so we're going to start with our scouts and and see uh, you know who we should go after and and try to put some type of order together and then uh, we've got a plan in place to you know, approach the player, make contact, and uh, basically just show, you know, the players who we, who we are and what we can do for them and why we think they should be Twins.
0: You have so much ammunition in that regard because so many resources have been funneled into player development, and I know the Twins organization feels very strongly about the people in place and the structures in place to make most of the talent that you and your scouts bring into the organization. From a scouting standpoint, though, so often you can find a kid, discover a kid, project a kid, never get a chance to draft them. Does the scouting you kind of like this? Uh, so often we talk about drafts being made, sixth through tenth rounds, and now you get a chance to actually build on your relationship with a kid as opposed to watching another team snag them before you get the chance?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if this, this part really goes with the, the spirit of the draft. We feel like whoever does the most work, on the player and has a chance to select them, um, should be rewarded for that. So this certainly doesn't feel that way in the process. So we're hoping that again, going back to our player development, we think is really at the top of the industry, uh, from personnel facilities, um, you know, technology, where we're at with the industry, we feel like we've really gotten towards that top, top part of the, of the industry. And, and so to be able to show a player that, um, this is how we can make you better. And this is what we see and what we've, in our evaluations of you uh, so far. And, and usually the, the player that fits in that 6 to 10 range or, or even beyond, you know, they, they may be limited with a tool or two uh, or more. So to be able to uh, enhance that player and have them overcome some things. Uh, you think about Brian Dozier going back to a guy like that who didn't have a ton of power in, in college and was injured a little bit. You know who'd ever thought that that guy would hit forty home runs in a, in a major league season? Nobody. But you know those those types of things are possible with swing adjustments, uh, mindset of approach uh, changes, enhancements. Um, so and on the pitching side, it's adding a pitch, it's uh, cleaning up an arm action that may have caused a, a pitcher to not throw strikes. Um, you name it, we have different. Uh, resources and and things in place in our PD that, that are really incredible and, and hopefully we're going to be able to bring some players into the fold.
0: Yeah, I think it, Taylor Rogers with his ERA about five in the SEC, and you guys found him in the in those middle rounds, and uh, and he's turned into one of the elite pitchers in Major League Baseball today. One other thing I think you have as a selling point, Sean, is the way the organization has treated its minor leaguers. Uh, the fact that that they're all still on the payroll that you guys haven't. Uh, just cut loose a bunch of folks. And I know that discerning people, this is a life decision and families are going to be involved and advisors are going to be involved uh, to sign, to go to school, to stay in school. Uh, I would think that that sort of loyalty and treatment of, of the minor would also be something that were I in their position, I would be considering them very strongly.
1: Yeah. I, I've I talked to a few agents already that obviously they take notice of those things, uh, especially in these tough times. And they, and they, really appreciate and are, uh, you know, they just appreciate the way we've, we've put our best foot forward for our minor league players and taking care of them. Um, so it's really a tip of the cap to the Polett family. Um, we've said it for a long time that we thought they were the best owners in the game just from the way they treat their people is just incredible. So, um, to feel that I feel that personally, I know our, our minor league players feel that I've seen several notes of appreciation from some of our players. Um, after, after that announcement was made. So just incredible first-class organization. I think people realize that. And, um, you know, we hope that helps move the needle for us in this next part of the draft.
0: So we'll see where that goes in the coming weeks. But let's talk for now about the four players you did draft. Um, and for me, the really interesting fact, because everybody's going to say we, we love them, they all have skills or they wouldn't be uh, in a position to be drafted. I'm interested in kind of the origin story in terms of your relationship with these kids uh, let's start at the top aaron sabato out of the university of north carolina it was draft eligible sophomore so we got one full year and it was a spectacular year in chapel hill not drafted out of high school if you were looking at brunswick academy for sailors or rowers or hedge fund managers or the vinkel Voss twins you would have found them not a lot of baseball players necessarily how far back does your relationship go with Sabato, because obviously he and everything you've said about him is a very polished young man for his limited college experience.
1: Yeah, so uh, we we knew his name in high school. We didn't, have – you know, usually those guys going to North Carolina are pretty tough commits, uh, tough guys, to, tough guys to get out of that that uh, situation. So um, you know, we saw him back, clear back to high school, but obviously the thing that put him on the on the board for us was um, you know last year, if you look at his numbers, if you measure those analytically they're right in line with guys that win the very top 10 picks in the draft. So the damage he's able to do, um, you know, most guys that have power like he has um, have to give up something with their bat to, and their batting average to, to get to that power. So guys like you know, the guy that went first in the draft, Spencer Torkelson, you know, elite bat speed, elite exit velocity. Um, he's able to, you know, he drew a, a ton of walks his strikeouts were on the high side a little bit, but to do the damage he did with that with that type of uh, zone discipline is incredible and it's rare um, so we think you know obviously we're not saying Sabata is going to be Spencer Torkelston, but to get a player like him who did the amount of damage he did with the bat at the bottom of the first round, we feel like is a, is a good move um so he was high he was on our board uh, towards the top um. Obviously, he's, you know, he's limited defensively, but really when you got to that group of players left on the board for us, the bad impact um, really ruled the day there. So we feel good about that pick, and, and you know, we, we were able to connect quite a bit with him, um, you know, mainly via Zoom. But you get under the hood here a little bit. This guy is wired uh, to do real damage to the baseball. He knows his swing. He has a great understanding of who he is as a hitter. So those guys make you sleep well at night when you take those guys because you feel like there's not a lot that can go wrong um, with the swing or the approach he's he's you know he he's just so advanced for being twenty years old um, you know being soft eligible um, the, the things he did in North Carolina were impressive um, but we it just had alignment there uh, we loved to swing you know we had I'm saying we had upwards of fifty people in the twins organization that Either had a you know either from a scout or a PD perspective. I had Rocco's list. I had Mike Bell's list. Um, I got West Wes Johnson's take on players. You know, you name it. Uh, we had input, and and he really he just checked all the boxes for us offensively. When he was
0: available, was it more a feeling of oh my gosh, I can't believe he's still available? Uh, Christmas has come early. Uh, was it a, a, still a decision? Were you surprised at all that he was still available?
1: Well, he had he had showed up in mock drafts ahead of us, um, but kind of in our range. So I think we had we had a you know you have a list of players a grouping that you think might be there. So you try to plan for that, and sometimes you're right, and sometimes you're wrong. Um, but you always want to have plenty of names to consider so you don't um, get caught barehanded there. Um, so he was definitely in our mix. We were hopeful that he would be there. Um, wasn't sure if he was going to make it or not. He just picking we learned that picking you know at 20 with when we took Larnick. you know when you pick towards the back end a lot of things can happen a shortened season um you know we didn't know there wasn't always the consensus feeling past about the 10th pick so we knew there would be a lot of variance it could go a lot of different ways and um so we were you know fingers crossed he would be in our in our mix and we'd have a shot at him and and sure enough, he was. So we feel great about that. You mentioned that. Trevor Larnik.
0: And Larnik's a guy who really didn't unlock his power trail later in his career at Oregon State. But again, elite college program. Brent Rooker, a couple years ago, again, a polished hitter. A guy who really studied angle, an exit velocity guy. High-end league in the Southeast Conference. For Alex Kiriloff, a high school kid, who seemed to have a lot of those advanced uh, facets to his swing and swing understanding at an early age. Is Sabato somewhere in the middle there? because? He didn't have the long college careers of a Rooker or a Larnick, but obviously he developed from a fairly rough high school program to an elite college program rather quickly and jumped right in and made a huge impact as a freshman. Is that a change you've seen over a, a compacted two-three year period for Sabato, or has he just always had that that gift and that swing?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. He he fits somewhere in that group with the you know the Larnicks and that type. Um, He's really into hitting, just like Trevor is. I mean, Trevor's just a rat. You know, that guy lives in the cage and he's always tinkering and trying to improve and he wants to be better, you know, which is a, a real driver for all those guys. Those guys want to be great players. They want to learn how to improve. So we look for that growth mindset in those players when we select them because it just, it really lines up well with our player development. We have opportunities and tools and every guy learns a little differently visually. Um, you know, some guys need to see it in front of them to, to get it. So we can show all these players different things and how to get better. And, but it, it only happens if that player is really driven to compete and, and want to be great. And that, that, those are just a couple of our uh, things that we want to make sure we have in a hitter mm-hmm. when we see them. And, and, or else it does, just doesn't work. So from a makeup perspective, he's super in line with, with Larnick and, and Rooker and, and all those guys. Uh, there's no question about that.
0: All right, Aaron Sabato, pick one out of North Carolina. He's a big, strong guy, uh, immense power. Now in the second round, uh, Alaric Sulaire. Suler. I hope I get that name right. I'm sure yeah, I'm Yeah, Solari, yep. Right. Solari. Interesting background again. Houston's a hotbed of baseball talent. That's where he grew up. Undrafted out of high school, but obviously talented enough to go to a high-end junior college program at San Jacinto, but then to a Southeast Conference powerhouse like Tennessee. How long have you been tracking him? Uh, and a different type of hitter, but what did you see in his uh, skill set uh, that attracted you in the second round?
1: Yeah, so we've, we've known Alaric since uh, back in high school. Obviously followed him at San Jack, which is in the top three or four programs in, a, in the country in the junior college level. Um, he put up – you could check his numbers there. He put up great numbers there. Um, great plate discipline, low strikeouts. Yeah, He had more walks than strikeouts there. Um, goes to Tennessee up monster numbers last year, much like Sabato. Um, So, you know, we feel great about getting him in the second round. um, You know, another college performer. Um, Analytically, he checks all the boxes there. Um, You know, we look for the guys with plate discipline. He's got bat speed. He's put up extra base hits, home runs. Um, You know, he's probably going to play the corner in the end, left or right. Um, there's some chance at center and he's played some second base in his life. So he's a good enough athlete. We can move him around and and figure out where that plays. But much like Sabato, it's a very offensive pick. uh, Another performer, um, really competitive on the, on the field. Uh, We checked, you know, we talked spent a lot of time talking to the Tennessee coaches this spring. Um, You know, we spent an hour with those guys talking about Alaric and his background and how, how far he's come since he's been there. So um, you know, we feel comfortable with the player and really excited about the offense here. And, and we think he fits that corner outfield
0: profile. When you look at his journey from uh, high school through the J.C. route right, to a high, high-end program like Tennessee, you talked about the improvement. Are you seeing skill and execution improvement, or are you also seeing body maturity uh, for him? And, and how big and strong would you project him to get?
1: Yeah, I, I still, he still has some room to add some strength um, and to fill out. I think he's always going to be a leaner guy. Um, but you know, we again we think about player development when we think about these picks a lot, and you know our strength coaches, the programs they have, our nutrition that we have at the academy, and just up and down the minor leagues, you know we think we can we can add even more strength to them, But you can't really you can't just pull bat speed out of the air. And just either have it or you don't. This guy has it, and uh, it's electric swing um and again the ability to control the strike zone was very appealing to us um it always is now I think in our process and and this guy does that and um so you know we're we're banking on I think he had a slower start to start the year but he still was hitting for some power and and um you know we just felt like in the second round that was the that was the way to go
0: with Alec and with Aaron at their programs they're at, you have that benefit, I would guess, of a lot more data points, right, in terms of the technology that those programs are utilizing so you guys can, can put numbers to match your eyes when you talk about things like electric swings?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, that is the beautiful thing about technology in the college space is there's so many more things that we can measure that, you know, we always start with our scouts, our scouts' opinions. And then that drives kind of our model as we look through making decisions. Now, if we have data to support it, then that makes us feel really good. And if it doesn't match, then we ask why. Um, Maybe because not all the data is perfect all the time, um, but we have brilliant guys on that side that can kind of decipher things and and figure out what's good and what's bad. Um, So there's a whole other department who's worried about data quality and there's so many things going on on the fourth floor over at Target Field. It's pretty cool. Um, so we, we were able to get to the truth a little bit easier. And we go – you know, I can go back to Larnick where we made sense of his exit velocity. His, he didn't hit the ball in the air a ton, but we saw you – know, obviously we started, saw it starting to come on. And then we factor in, you know, Larnick's makeup, a guy like that who wants to be better and wants to make some changes to his swing and his approach. And you make sense of the pick. So. We have so many resources and so many ways to get to the finish line now that we didn't have 10 years ago. So, um, I mean, being in the room with the guys, we, it, it just feels like there's nothing we can't explore as we talk about player A versus player B. We look at players in a holistic view and really leave no stone unturned. So it's pretty cool to see.
0: You got to get holistic in there or else Falvey will budge you with the shotgun. I know, gotta get, I know. Got to get it in there. Uh, Sean Johnson is our guest talking about uh, the, the draft, the four-player draft. I loved your third-round pick. I think the Donaldson kid has a real chance to contribute. He's uh, got the power. Skills. <laughs> well, Those yeah. are easy. He's uh, all right. Let's move on to a, a guy that I'm fascinated with. Mark O'Reilly is a high school pitcher out of Laredo, Texas. It's like Marty Robinson. Uh, not as many data points when you're a high school kid in Laredo, Texas, as you get in the ACC or, uh, or, or in the SEC. He's committed to Texas Tech. I just was watching, clicking on the videos, which are amazing that you can do this with with so many kids, even from your home. And someone was shooting a picture of him, or pitching, throwing a pen from behind. And all I could think about was Jose Barrios' body. Like, I just reminded me, like, of the limbs and the way he he moved on the mound a little bit. Uh, This is a player that when you talk about what right-handed pitchers are supposed to look like, he, he checks a lot of those boxes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Marco Raya is a great story just as a, a scouting process. Uh Trevor Brown who's our scout down in in that part of Texas, you know, really rang the bell early. Um got really excited about the player. Um so actually this is the first spring and and hopefully the last spring that I didn't make it to California, but I went I spent a day in Laredo, Texas. I had, that day I woke up in Nashville, I connected through Atlanta, landed in San Antonio. And then commuted Laredo and back, and I'm like, I called Trevor on the way back. I'm like, hey, he was really good. I hope we get the player. This was a long day, but I feel like it's <laughs> gonna pay off. So, and it did. So, some a lot of those days don't work out. They just you know just a long day on the on the road. But we're glad we got the player. Tim O'Neill, our assistant scouting director, saw him as well. So we knew we had we had more looks on him than you know most teams. And we give Trevor Brown a lot of credit for that because. He dug, he dug his heel, heels in early and, and really sounded the bell. So um, it all worked out. But a tremendous kid. He was committed to Texas Tech. Um, really good spin talent. He can spin two breaking balls. He's got a curveball and a slider, which we think is a, is a real positive. We've seen him at the 94. We think he's going to have a really good change. He's a really good athlete, um, much like Barrios. Um, you know, and they're similar in stature. Uh, very competitive kid, uh, comes from a great family, um, just awesome people. And so to see that come together uh, and in a selection is really rewarding for our whole group because that was a guy we wanted yesterday. You know, not sure which round, which pick, but that was a guy we didn't want to miss out on and, and luckily it worked out.
0: You talk about his spin talent, which you can see. Do you have a chance with a kid like that in a high school program to measure it, to to put a a wrap solo on him, would it or to get uh, a spin rate on a kid like that? Do you get it at a showcase, or can you do it yourself, uh, set up your gear and, and get some of those numbers?
1: Yeah, so um, the one place we did see him, he did throw, was at Fenway Park last fall at, at a showcase. So we did have some data from there, but not a ton. And and uh, so yeah, we really leaned on our scouts who saw him. We all came out of there saying, thinking, this guy's a nice pick, you know, in the third, fourth, fifth round, maybe, uh, I hope we get him, you know, because he's, he's not, he's not the most physical guy in the world. Um, it's not all ideal, but his pitches are real. And, uh, you know, we, we had our player development guys review him and they all were like, let's go. We're in like, you know, the way he moves, his athleticism, his arm action, his delivery is right up our alley. So it's a, it's a great piece of clay for our, our player development to work with and build on, put some strength on, um, create some pitches for him. Um, they're all excited about that guy. I, I don't think there's any, anybody on our staff that's not thrilled to have Marco Raya
0: Yeah, there's some guys that just they, they catch you right from the beginning, and he's a guy that caught me uh, right from the beginning. Their last guy, uh, a little different trip than driving to Laredo. Uh, he's from uh, from Hilo, Hawaii. Uh, Kalai Rosario, high school outfielder. Great talent in Hawaii. That, it's, it's always been a treasure trove of talent. Uh, and I know the Twins have, have, have worked in Hawaii uh, extensively. He has a commitment to Cal Baptist, where his sister is an athlete right now on the mainland. Um, what your, your your history, give us a little origin story on, on Rosario, where you saw him, and who got the benefit of uh, heading out to Hilo to, uh, to check him out.
1: Well, John Levitt, our area scout, uh, has made that trip. He's done. He's had Hawaii for a few years, so um, he was fortunate enough to go out there. We actually saw him a lot at the Area Code Games in Long Beach uh, last August. Um, he had a great week there, um, and, and John Levitt, our area scout, got to know the player really well. We actually got to, you know, thankful for Zoom. We got to do a home visit, basically, with the kid all the way in Hawaii. Um, why I sat here in Minneapolis. So um, tremendous kid, uh, great family, athletic backgrounds. Um, you know, his, like you said, his his sister's a really good athlete. He trains actually with uh, Colton Wong, the guy we drafted, who still haunts us to this day um, out of high school. His father I didn't want to bring him up. <laughs> is there's kind of this Wong Kaha Wong, his, who's Colton's father. It's kind of a uh, mafia out there where if you're going to hang out and, and practice baseball with, with the Wongs, you better bring it. So this kid is definitely in that in that type of mold. Um, he's a very driven kid. Um, he's, he's very excited to be a twin. Um, I think he will work extremely hard. He's got, a, he's got a great swing. He's got huge power. There's a lot of in stuff on Twitter or wherever on the internet that you can see him hitting. I think he won the home run derby at the area code games. Um, he can hit the ball a long way. He's probably another corner outfielder, but a guy we just thought uh, in that range of the draft, if everything hits, um, he could be really impactful. So that was the way we leaned uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the night last night. Um, he just felt like the best upside play uh, that was available in the, in, the, in the range we were at. So really excited to have him. Tremendous kid.
0: Sean strikes me as a real physical kid for being a very young kid. Uh, as a high school kid, he, he doesn't look like he's got a high school body.
1: Yeah, he's a man. He's a grown man already. Um, he, he's athletic for a size he could run. You know, we think he's going to be a, a really physical guy and um, excited to see how he, how he evolved because, again, tremendous kid and, and
0: we feel really good about him. Was that fifth round pick one of the harder ones knowing that everybody else was going to be Open game. I mean, you're 27, there's only going to be three more people drafted or, or whatever it is, a small number, after you make that selection of Rosario. So do you have to weigh drafting a kid versus trying to woo them as a free agent, as we discussed off the top?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the last pick you can control, right? So you're mm-hmm. risking losing out on on the player that may go into the next process and you may lose out on. So that is the gamble you take. I think the biggest thing you have to do is keep your attention towards the top of the board, even though that's the, the, the scenario. Um, get the right guy in the fifth round that you want because nothing else is guaranteed. So we've tried to keep our focus up until this morning on that group of guys that we're going to take and, and give some money to. So now it's time to shift gears um, and, and pursue the guys that, we're, that want to be pursued and want to be hopefully twins.
0: One of the great strengths, I think, of the organization is the dovetailing between uh, acquiring talent and developing talent. And that all it seems like that should always be the case, but I think historically that hasn't always been the case with all organizations. Um, and so now you hand these players off, and the big question here, Sean, is where do you send them? I mean, this is one of the great unknowns of all drafts in a typical year. You could say, all right, Aaron, you're going to E-Town, or you're, you're, you're an older kid, you're going – you know, to Cedar Rapids, what do you do with these guys? And is that probably the first question that the kids are asking you uh, when you get into the negotiations?
1: Yeah. I, I was talking to Jeremy Zoll about that last night. We were wrapping the night and then we're like, man, I can't wait to see these guys in uniform. So we don't know what that's going to be. And, <laughs> um, you know, so it, it's, it's an odd time obviously. Right. So I don't know what the answer is to that. Um, you know these guys need development. we talk about the bats and getting innings are so crucial to a lot every player in the minor league. so how we're going to create that and 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 fill that gap in I'm not sure, but you know I, I know you know the group will figure that out in time.
0: yeah, you got the right people in, in trying to figure that out. you got some pretty good brains working on. Sean Johnson is our guest again brought to you by the Sheboygan sausage Company. Folks at Sheboygan remind you that they missed the ballpark as well. And until they can uh, see you again at the ballpark, they encourage you to fire Sheboygan Stadium-quality bratwurst and sausages at home. They're always a home run. and Hopefully some home runs in this uh, draft class. Uh, Sabato, Solare, Raya, and Rosario. I will say, Sean, for not having many picks, you guys ran the entire gamut of body type, geography, um ethnicity background like you guys got a full rainbow of, uh, of talent and packed into just four guys
1: yeah it's amazing how that turned out that's pretty cool but it, it, it wasn't on our, our list for the day to go into it to pull off but I'm, I'm glad it happened that's that's pretty cool
0: well we know you guys are focused now on continuing to add talent in the organization through this uh this new free agent process before we close though um i want you to have a chance to to salute the work of your scouts. Uh, whether their guy got picked, you only had four, or whether the work that they put in helped you to hone down who you picked, uh, those guys don't get a lot of glory publicly, but they do a ton of work. That is the backbone of an organization. So, if you'd like to just kind of shout out some of the folks who put in some of the uh, amazing effort to, to lead you to this point,
1: yeah, too too many guys to and gals to individually thank. But um, you know, we talked a lot about the spring being very unique. So to go from being full steam on the road the first week of March to suddenly being home, not sure what's next, not when the, not knowing when the draft was going to be, uh, you know, this summer. Uh, we really rallied around each other. Um, we, we had a, ga- a great game plan. Um, guys stayed super invo- involved and engaged. They, they really did a lot of work on players to get to the bottom of the makeup questions and, um, just knowing everything about the player we could. We've never been in a draft where we knew more about the players than this year. So it's a tip of the cap to our area scouts, our supervisors, um, everybody that come, came together to make things possible. We've got guys on our IT side that made everything click the last couple days. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of people that are involved in our process, and it's really cool to see it come together and, and with a, such a big group, and we're able to communicate well and at a high level. And so much passion, so much uh, focus on what we're doing. Uh, really, really lucky to be a part of it.
0: Sean Johnson, our guest. This is the Twins Clubhouse. Reminder, we will throw open the doors of the Twins Clubhouse again next week, whether you do so across our fine network of affiliates or via podcast, wherever you get your Twins podcasts. Our thanks to Sean Johnson, who, if he keeps doing this, better get used to picking it in the late 20s. Uh, as the uh, scouting director of the Minnesota Twins. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.